Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, and he is Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And, Wes, as we continue to review the Packers 2018 draft, I want to get to a few of those day three picks that uh, we haven't had a chance to discuss yet. And I want to start on the offensive line because we had talked about if there's one thing that's a guarantee because Ted Thompson did it in 12 out of his 13 drafts is that the Packers are going to take at least one offensive lineman. And they did in selecting Cole Madison from Washington State in the fifth round. He's actually a three-and-a-half-year starter at right tackle, but the Packers are projecting him as a guard. At least that's where they want to start him out. Uh, what do you know about Madison? And uh, certainly the Packers' track record here with taking tackles and making them guards is pretty good. Yeah, and it sounded like this wasn't a secret. Uh, everyone in the NFL was kind of looking at him as a guard. I think he said the St. Louis Rams, excuse me, Los Angeles Rams were the only team that really were talking to him about tackle. Now, the one thing he gives you, though, with that background is some line versatility uh, if you need to use him in a pinch. But I think it, it appears interior will be his concentration what do we know about him? He has a luscious mane of hair. Uh, and it was funny, he mentioned it, that uh, he actually got it trimmed the week before the draft. Before that, he hadn't had it cut since before prom in high school. The guy was at Washington State for a long time. I mean, uh, pretty big beard, just a big character. And if you look at it, though, Michael, whether it's the hair, whether it's the beard, Packers have had some success finding really good offensive linemen in the draft through the middle rounds with those credentials. And now Cole Madison hopes to be the next one. Yeah, and this conversion from college offensive tackle to NFL guard, the, or I should just say NFL interior player, the Packers have done it with multiple guys. Right. Josh Sitton and TJ Lang, also JC Treader. He was a right. he was a tackle at Cornell, and became uh, more of an interior guy in the NFL. Although all those guys, you know, still actually, I think all three of them, if I'm not mistaken, filled in at tackle in a pinch Correct. during uh, during their NFL career with the Packers. So. Um, with Madison here, so as we talked about before the draft, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of open competition, you might say, for where the Packers are at right guard and right tackle for 2018. Brian Balaga's injury, week one is 10 months away from his injury. He's obviously going to do everything he can to get back. You have no guarantees there. Um, at right guard, Jari Evans remains unsigned. He was the uh, starting right guard for the majority of last year. I don't know how you see it, Wes. When I look at where things are right now, I kind of see Cole Madison and Lucas Patrick competing at right guard. I see Jason Spriggs and Kyle Murphy competing at right tackle. I'm just not sure which one Justin McRae is right. going to be competing for. you have any read or any sense on that? Well, here's the first thing, Mike. The fact the Packers didn't address the tackle situation, then obviously Brian Gutekunst said afterwards they figure that Brian Balaga is going to be in the team's plans. A lot to figure out, but but they're obviously very hopeful to have him back in play and certainly a guy that's played at an exemplary level when he has been healthy. But in the interim here, especially during the offseason program, I think that's where these things are going to start to sort themselves out. Who's that next guy up? Who's going to be the guy that really grabs that opportunity? Uh, you look at the right guard position, to me, I, I still feel like Justin McCray's best position is guard. I thought he did a phenomenal job given what he had to work with to play right tackle last I, year. I agree. And having to move around the line the way he did, that's really valuable. Uh, but Lucas Patrick is there as well. How are Jason Spriggs and Kyle Murphy going to come back after their injuries? I thought Murphy did a great job those first three weeks of the season, especially having to play a little bit of left tackle. Spriggs has had his moments as well. 
I just think it's going to be a really good competition, Mike. And, and I think the best battles, when you look at them, regardless of position during training camp, are the ones where you get a bunch of guys with different types of skill sets, different makeups, different body types, but yet the skill level's pretty much all on par. Who's going to be the guy that steps out in front of that? I, you know, James Campen has not spoken to the media yet since these moves were made, but I have to imagine he's pretty happy because he has a bunch of guys that are talented with some versatility there to figure out how exactly they want to play things out on the right side. Yeah, and Balaga's situation is going to play into that considerably. Mike McCarthy, after the draft, was asked, you know, what's the update on Balaga? No specifics given other than that in his recovery from another ACL injury here. He is ahead of schedule. All the reports have been positive. McCarthy made it very clear, though, that we're where he is at the beginning of training camp will be the telltale sign. And I took that to mean, obviously, at the beginning of training camp is when you have to decide with injured players whether they go on PUP or whether they stay active. And if that decision is made to put him on PUP, then that keeps him out a minimum of the first six weeks of the regular season. If they feel like he's going to be ready in the early stages of the regular season, then they won't put him on PUP, even if he's not necessarily practicing right away. So that start of training camp is really going to be potentially decision time on Balaga. Yeah, and Balaga's shown too. I mean, he can jump back in there and doesn't really show much ring rust at all. Uh, he's done oh, yeah, He's done it before. Numerous yeah. times yeah. and played at a high level uh, in, in spite of, you know, having to deal with some stuff in the past. I just think, you know, he is, you know, he's 29 years old, so I'm sure he really does want to be a part of the offseason program, but he's been through this before. Yeah. I think for young guys like a Cole Madison, even these these tackles, Spriggs and Murphy, who have now been in the league for two years, those reps are going to be so valuable, you know, throughout OTAs, throughout minicamp, throughout training camp, to be able to get that workload. Uh, and even, you know, a guy like Justin McCray, who was a street-free agent last year, really at the bottom rung of the, the, the depth chart when training camp started a year ago yeah, and working yeah. his way up. So I, I, for me personally, I think that's the most exciting part of this is now you add another guy into that reserve of offensive linemen. I don't think it was a position you need to draft during the first two days, and it looks like they found another really good guy to you know kind of harvest and cultivate and develop from those later rounds. Yeah, going to be some competitions to keep an eye on for sure. With that, we'll go to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkiewicz in that one. Okay, Wes, the Packers went into the 2018 draft with a few positions that were very low priority, I guess you would say. One was quarterback because of the trade for Deshaun Kaiser. One was running back because you drafted three running backs a year earlier. And another being defensive line because you had signed Muhammad Wilkerson and you were going to get Montrevious Adams, a third-round pick from a year ago, yeah. back from essentially, essentially an injury type of redshirt season. But the Packers did draft one defensive lineman in the seventh round, and it's James, <clears throat> excuse me, James Looney from Cal. A guy, I don't know a, a heck of a lot about him. You had a chance to uh, to write a little bit about him. Um, what uh, what did you learn? What type of prospect do you think he is? You know, I go back to something. I thought Elliot Wolf, uh, the Packers' former P personnel executive who's now with the uh, Cleveland Browns, he had such a great point last year during the draft because he was asked about what you're looking for in day three of the draft. And he said you're looking for traits. You're looking for a certain area that a guy really stands out above the rest, whether it's a 40-time, bench reps, vertical, whatever. Something that they do exemplary rather than being, you know, kind of 
pedestrian across the board. Because, yeah, the old hang your hat on something. Yeah, because yeah. you're dealing with guys that have obvious flaws in their game. The thing that stands out to me about Looney, and I'm not trying to make any comparisons to Mike Daniels here. It's a different type of football player, but he said it himself. He sees himself in terms of where his upside is, where his ceiling is, as being one of those new modern type of defensive tackles, guys that aren't pushing 320, aren't the tallest guys in the world, but find ways to win those battles in the trenches and to get leverage. He was a really consistent football player during his time at Cal, and he was a transfer from Wake Forest where his brother was a standout, his brother now an offensive lineman for the Dallas Cowboys, and he said it himself in the pre-draft process, the advice his brother Joe gave him was, just get in the league. doesn't yeah. matter where you're drafted. doesn't matter if you're drafted. It matters that you come in and show what you have to offer. It's a very loaded defensive line right now for the Green Bay Packers, especially when you consider that Montrevious Adams is coming back off of that foot injury last year. But Looney's going to be in a good spot here. And the other thing that's interesting as well, 22 consecutive years the Packers have drafted a defensive lineman. I think it's Ted Thompson to steal his old phrase. God only created so much of those, so many of those right. big guys, especially guys with athleticism. I think Looney's a guy that touches on that. Yeah, I think when you look at you look at his athletic ability, there's certainly worth a um, you know worth a draft pick there. One of these guys that I, I think he, his measurable was what 280, 285, yeah, somewhere right around there. And it's one he he's one of these guys that yeah if if uh, if he's got the potential you know to get to say three hundred or three hundred and five pounds you have suddenly you have a different type of player than the one who was in college and you know and obviously adding that weight you maybe you lose some athleticism and whatnot but this is a guy who was projected as a late round pick and coming from the Pac twelve I mean. They throw the ball a heck of a lot in that yeah. conference, so this is a guy who uh, who certainly did uh, did his share of rushing the passer. And one thing that was fun too. This is more of an off the field thing, but you know he was praised throughout the pre draft process for his personality, he has an infectious personality. You really got a feel for that during his interview with the media. I mean, it was kind of at the end of the day. I know a lot of beat writers retired, but <laughs> a lot of picks. Yeah, I mean Looney is he is he's such a gregarious type of you know individual. And to be honest with you, I thought out of all the draft picks. He probably had one of the most engaging news conferences. It's just that at that point of the day, I don't know how many people had questions left for these guys. Yeah, you know, yeah. they, they just wanted to get write their stories and get home. But it was interesting listening to him talk about the relationship with his brother and how competitive they were as kids. He mentioned broken controllers, you know, with the PlayStation and you know, kind of getting into a little bit of scraps with the kids in the neighborhood. There's, there's an edge to this guy. Probably and, not an accident that he became, as the younger brother, yeah. became the defensive lineman. Yeah. The older brother was the offensive lineman. There, there's a, not necessarily just coincidence. No, absolutely. Iron sharpening iron. But, I, you know, the one thing that stands out to me, though, he has some interesting traits. And I think as uh, NFL.com and their scouting report, they praised him for it. You know, he has kind of a cool spin move for an interior-type rusher. Uh, you know, he, he just – he's a little – He's a little unique in terms of how he approaches things. He's not just this bull rushing guy that's going to try to overpower you. He understands, and he even said this, the NFL is a tough league. You have to be savvy. You have to be able to have your technique where it needs to be to win these battles in the trenches. I'm just, you know, he's a seventh-round pick. Wait and see. But right. I, you know, they had success in the past. I think a Lawrence guy in 2011, even though it didn't happen in Green Bay, he became a player in this league. They know defensive linemen, and this guy obviously showed them something they really like. Yeah, Dave Tollefson from about a decade yeah, ago, another seventh-round pick uh, who was a defensive lineman, went on to, to play for a couple of other teams for a few years. But with that, we're going to go to a break, back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this.
Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford right here. Wes Hodkowitz all the way over there. Wes, the Packers, obviously, they uh, they addressed a lot of positions in this 11-pick draft that they had in 2018, but some areas that they actually were not able to address, and one that a lot of people are talking about is the pass rush. I'll be the first to admit, I expected the Packers to draft a pass rusher earlier than the fourth round last year. I expected them to draft an edge rusher earlier than the seventh round this year. We all know how things go as far as how the board falls and the philosophy and all of that. They're not going to reach for a player, and this was a very thin draft in terms of edge rushers. They did select one, though, with their final pick, Southeast Missouri State, Kendall Donerson. And um, again, you talked about what Elliot Wolf said about you know finding traits in the seventh round. This is a guy with uh, with a heck of a lot of measurables, especially the speed. It'd be interesting to see maybe what he can do coming off the edge. Yeah, 4.840, uh, 40 inch vertical. Guy has a lot of athleticism and just a big enough to be an edge rusher in a 3 4 defense. You know, he's going to be slightly undersized, but again, getting back to what you said about Looney, you wonder if the Packers could put on some weight with him. Yeah. Uh, Kyler Fackrell wasn't the biggest uh, outside linebacker either when he came to Green Bay. I want to touch on, though, before we touch on Donerson, I just want to mention, Mike. I was a little surprised, too. I expected the Packers to address outside rusher earlier on. Yep. But as I got thinking about it, as we began day three, and as the picks started coming off the board and the Packers started taking receivers, it made sense to me that they didn't look at outside linebacker or edge rusher early on day three. My thinking is, if you could have, if it lined up and you wanted to take an edge rusher on day one, you take one. You look at the history, that's where you're going to find your biggest playmakers. But the Packers have been down this road in the middle rounds taking edge rushers in recent years. Kyler Fackrell, Vince Beagle, who had his you know rookie season basically wiped out by those two foot surgeries. They've been there before. So I have a hard time believing, and maybe there's a big gem waiting out there, but I have a hard time believing they were going to draft a guy on in the fourth, late in the fourth or early in the fifth that was going to come in and push to be that top guy in the rotation. It takes time to develop that position. Yeah. And secondly, just want to mention this too. We got spoiled a little bit from 14 to 16 with Julius Peppers and Matthews and Perry and Nick, Mike Neal and Dayton Jones when he had some success there. It was really deep at outside rusher, but I've been covering this team long enough to remember when Dom Capers was making do with Desmond Moses and, and Frank Zombo and undrafted Jamari guys. Lattimore, undrafted guys yep. that didn't have any accolades whatsoever and were starting games for the Packers. So yes, comparatively, is this group as deep as it was in, from 14 to 16? It's not. But I, I, I get kind of worn out by the narrative that the Packers don't have an outside rushing you know, contingent. If you could find a guy early and you want to take him and develop him, go for it. But otherwise, I think finding a guy like Donerson late in the draft is kind of the way to go because he has some really unique traits that you can develop and add him into that mix with the four guys that are returning at that position that all had regular game experience last season. Yeah, I hear what you're saying as far as the 2018 Packers. My expectations the last couple of years were, in terms of taking an edge rusher much higher, have to do with more of the long-term future because Clay Matthews was drafted in 2009, Nick Perry was drafted in 2012. Those are your two guys on the front lines right now, and both of them, you, you would probably have to say, are, are in the back half of their careers. You want to have guys careers. in the pipeline. Yeah, e- exactly. Yep. And that, that's, that's, where, that's where my point was. And, and as far as the 2018 Packers are, Packers are concerned, 
I don't think Brian Gutekunst is necessarily done at outside rusher. We saw what happened last year when suddenly Ahmad Brooks, a, a veteran from the San Francisco 49ers, and their old 3-4 scheme became available. Now, unfortunately, he had some injuries and, and probably didn't contribute as much as everybody was hoping. But there's possibly a, a veteran move like that out there as well for the Packers to provide a little bit of boost to this position. Yeah, you definitely think that that could be in the cards again just because of guys who end up getting cut for salary cap reasons or you bring in another prospect that you really like and you don't want to move on somewhere else. And then also, as we get these undrafted free agents later in this week, Mike, let's remember that you know there's been a lot of guys that have pushed for playing time in the past. I think a guy like Chris Odom is also one to watch, in addition to Reggie Gilbert, based on what he did last season at sure. the end of the year. But Odom also basically took a redshirt season after having to come to Green Bay with no offseason, with no training camp learning how to be an outside linebacker slash defensive end in Atlanta, and then having to play the position in Green Bay. So those four young guys, Gilbert, Beagle, Fackrell, and and, uh, and Odom, really want to see them push and then see again if, if someone else, another veteran or somebody might come in along the line. Yeah, also no tight end selected, which was right. a little surprising to me in the 11 picks. And the word was that, you know, there was there was some depth at tight end to find some guys in the middle rounds. The Packers ended up not taking one. And, you know, you've got Jimmy Graham and Lance Kendricks on the top of that depth chart. You have two really, really young, unproven guys in Emmanuel Bird and Robert Tanyan um, below them. I thought the Packers were going to uh, going to fill something in there with the draft, but, uh, but they didn't. And, uh, um, you know, we'll see. I, I was really thinking they would because everything I was reading was that there were a lot of tight end prospects that were going to get picked the same reasoning you mentioned about wanting to draft an outside linebacker applies to tight end it takes time to develop that position yeah. which is why i was saying it going into this thing it would make sense to potentially look at a guy packers feel comfortable where they are though and you know taking graham and kendricks and seeing what happens as far as that third spot all right well with that we will go to another break back with more on packers unscripted right after this Back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford alongside Wes Hodkowitz. Wes, quickly before we go, I want to step away from the draft talk for a minute and just uh, address the annual NFL Network Top 100 series, uh, top 100 players in the league for the coming year voted on at the end of last year by the players themselves. The first 20, and what I mean by that is from number 100 up to number 81, were revealed Monday night on NFL Network. The Packers actually had four guys in that mix. Um, the one uh, you know who stands out the most is that David Bakhtiari came in at number 91. First time he has made the top 100 list. Should have made it sooner, but he's in there now. He is, and, and you give credit to Bakhtiari. He joked on Twitter afterwards that now he has to get up 22 more spots, I believe it is, to get to number 69, which is what he ultimately wants out of this thing, obviously his number. Uh, but Jimmy Graham also included in that. Mike Daniels once again makes it for the third straight year. I would argue you on one point. Obviously, kudos to Bakhtiari for making it I think the biggest one though was haha Clinton Dix based on what he said on social media afterwards goes he's comes in at number 100 he was 77 last year and acknowledged afterwards he tweeted about it that it wasn't his best year and you know he's gonna take that he's gonna accept it he's thankful that he's considered among those top upper echelon of players in this league but he wants to prove that he can be a perennial all pro and a guy that's a true difference maker in this league and I think out of everything, Mike, that happened in 2017 unrelated to Aaron Rodgers, 
the the motivation for haha clinton Dix, i think is going to be one of the biggest storylines to follow certainly you can talk about him being an upcoming free agent but i think more than that this is a really prideful guy mm-hmm. and and he wants to show everybody what he can bring on a year in weekend day out basis and I think Kaha Clinton Dix internally is a guy who feels like he has a lot to prove in 2018. Yeah, and he wants to be a leader on this defense. He wants to be a leader on this team. And certainly, no disrespect to Morgan Burnett, and those two got along quite well. Uh, both of them, you know, in leadership positions. But with Burnett now gone, Clinton Dix sees this, and he he mentioned it when he spoke with the media on the first day of the offseason program. This is my spot to step into. You yeah. know, he he he's. It's not just uh, it's not just the on field play that he wants to ratchet up. A little bit, but it's it's also uh, it's also the leadership aspect in the locker room, in the meeting room, all of that. He wants to be a guy that that everybody on this defense looks to as an example. Yeah, and Mike, it's interesting, and and you've covered this team for a long time as well. But sometimes you get guys like Clay Matthews who just walk in, they command the room from day one, their rookie season. Sometimes you though you have these guys like Haha Clinton Dix. He reminds me a lot of Casey Hayward. Remember Hayward in 2012 was really unsure of himself in front of the media, was always kind of nervous when the cameras came on. Right. If you turn on that tape from his last year in 2015, the role that he stepped into both in that meeting room but in the locker room as well, Clinton Dix really reminds me a lot of that. This is a guy that has stepped out. He understands his role. He understands that young players look to him for leadership and that his words, what he says publicly, it really brings – it can send home a message to the people around you, and I think that's something that uh, watching him grow over the last four years, it's been a really intriguing thing to watch in addition to his maturity on the field. Yeah, we'll see what other Packers players here over the next several weeks potentially crack the top 100. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers will be in there somewhere. Who knows where coming off of the injury. Uh, Clay Matthews um, might be in there as well, and Devontae Adams, I think, has a yeah, good chance to crack definitely. it for the first time. But with that, we are going to sign off on Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>